Well, good morning, everyone. Happy Sunday. You can stand up with me, stand up with us. You know what? It may have been hard for some of y'all to get here, but you made it, and this is the perfect place to be. You know, it may have been a rough week for you, but you know what? The Lord can handle it. This is the perfect place to lay your problems at the feet of Christ. You see, He can handle There is no one like Him. And in, in uh, Jeremiah 10, 6, it says, No one is like you, Lord. You are great, and your name is mighty in power. So let's sing these praises to Him who can handle it, because there is no one like Him. I search the world, but it could have
have room up front just for you. Come on in. I know that's where you want to be, Mike Martin, right? Front and center. Come join us. Y'all are in the best mood. I've never seen anything like it. I love it. Y'all, I want you to know something, that when God woke you up this morning, he could not wait to hear from you. He couldn't wait. And so I wonder, what was on your heart when you woke up? 
What was on your heart and your mind when you walked in these doors and, and sat down this morning? What was stirring around in there? He's listening. He wants to hear from you. One morning, King David said this to God in Psalm 5. And then he started saying it to God every day. He said, in the morning, O Lord, you hear my voice. Almost like he's surprised. In the morning, O Lord, I lay my request before you. And then I wait in expectation. That's Christmas expectation. That's the fun kind of anticipation. So every morning, King David would just lay his heart before God, spill it out, and then wait to see what God would do. Let's do that. During this hour, let's do just that. Let's lay our hearts before God. Let's pour out our hearts to him. And then wait in expectation to see what he's going to do using this hour, using maybe a conversation you have with someone in this room. Maybe he'll use a song or a passage of scripture or the message or a thought that bubbles up in your soul. He's going to use it all because he can't wait to hear from you. If you're new to First Pres, we are so excited that you're here and we would love the chance to connect with you and help you feel so much more at home. And all you have to do is use the connect card. You can see the QR code is there or go to our website after worship, fill it out, and you're going to hear from one of us right away. I promise. All right. Fitz and I want to invite you to join us to do something unforgettable this summer. Come with us to the Holy Land, June 11 through 21. The group that went with me three years ago will tell you that it was beyond, and me included, it was beyond our wildest imaginations to walk where Jesus walked, to have scripture just come alive for our minds and our souls and our everything about us to be transformed and transfixed and inspired by everything that was happening to us as we did a deep dive into the culture and enjoyed Mediterranean cuisine and got to know people on the ground there who are my colleagues in Young Life. And then guess what? We are going to get to have the Garden of Gethsemane for an hour to ourselves. And one day I'll share with you the story of what happened there before. Remarkable. We're going to walk where Jesus walked in Nazareth, Bethlehem, the Mount of Olives, stay in a hotel on the Sea of Galilee, in Jerusalem. You will never, ever hear the name of Jesus or read scripture again in the same way. Some of you have already signed up, and I love that. But there's room for more. And you don't have to believe a word of anything I just said. You just go talk to the 35 men and women who went with me before. Get them to tell you the truth of their experience. Fitz and all, I would also like to invite those of you who are interested in learning more about the church or you want to join the church or get more engaged in the church to come have dinner with us in our home on Wednesday evening, November 16th. 
It will be just a very relaxed and informal way to get to know each other and learn more about what Jesus is up to in our church and maybe in your life as well. And we hope it will be a way for you to feel even more at home. Friends, we have a treat for you this morning, a really big treat. The cutest little children that you ever did see are going to parade through worship, and you get to treat them not only with some candy, but even sweeter, with the love of Jesus. The candy people have a bucket at the end of their aisle. The love of Jesus people don't. So as the kids come through, you just give that love of Jesus or you give that butterfinger to that sweet little kiddo. All right? Let the music begin.
as King David said, in the morning, O Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, O Lord, I lay my request before you and wait in expectation. So would you do this with me? Would you lay your hands out on your lap? No one's watching, I promise you. I, I mean, I am. But lay your hands out on your lap like you're giving something away. Close your eyes and walk with me in this moment with Jesus. Heavenly Father, we love our children so much. Thank you for the sweetness of the gift of who they are, not only to individual parents and grandparents in the room, but to us all. And thank you that they don't even hesitate to make their voices known when they need something, when they're hurting. So Lord, we do that too now. Just in this moment of laying it before you, Lord, our hearts, Lord, we give them to you and we lay down in silent prayer what's going on inside of us that we have to tell you about, that it hurts, it's hard, it's challenging, or it's good, and we couldn't wait to share it. Whatever it is, Lord, we lay it in your hands and we're going to wait in expectation because you always respond. Take it, Lord, take it all. Just the weight, the heaviness, the joy, the celebration, what's hard, what's good. We lay it before you and we will wait, Lord, on you. And we will expect to hear from you even now in this hour. Lord, we also lay before you our hearts for those we know and love who are struggling, who are hurting and desperately need your healing, your forgiveness, your kindness, your leadership, your wisdom. Father, we pray for those we know and those we don't know, south of us, all our neighbors, those that we are serving in Cape Coral directly, those throughout the state, Lord, who still are scratching their heads, trying to figure out what in the world to do. And I pray that in this moment, Lord, they discover you, the way maker, where it literally looks like there's no way, no way possible. But with you, Lord, thank you that it's all possible. We also continue to pray for Catherine as she heals from her appendicitis surgery last week. We thank you, Lord, that she is on the mend. We're grateful. And in this moment, Lord, and in every moment of this day, keep us mindful that you're going to show up on the scene big. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Good morning. So every week we have this moment called Giving Back to God. And last night when um, I was on Instagram and I shared this to my story, it's one of my favorite ministry leaders. She shared a quote uh, by Randy Alcorn and it says, Abundance isn't God's provision for me to live in luxury. It's his provision for me to help others live. 
God entrusts me with his money, not to build my kingdom on earth, but to build his kingdom in heaven. And I really started thinking about this in relationship to something we wanted to share with y'all that's going on next Sunday, and that is the End 68 Hours of Hunger Food Truck Rally. If you aren't familiar with N68, it is a ministry that seeks to provide for families who are experiencing hunger in our community. So the 68 hours, what does that mean? Kids who are on free and reduced lunch, they get a free meal Friday at school for lunchtime. The next guaranteed meal for their little bellies isn't until Monday morning for breakfast again. So that gap, that 68 hours, is what this ministry seeks to fill. And so we are so excited as a church to come alongside this ministry. Um, Our very own Janice Lackey, she is intimately involved in this ministry. She is helping run this food truck rally. There's going to be bounce houses and face painting and an auction. It's going to be so much fun. You can head there right after church next week to enjoy it. It's going to be at Hyde Park Prez. But really, our congregation is super involved in this ministry. We have so many of you in this room who pack for N68. You pack up the backpacks with foods for these kids. We have someone um, in the room who writes thank you notes to donors. We have people in the room who help deliver the backpacks of food. And then we have so many of us who give the food. So thank you for the ways that you're intimately involved in this ministry. Um, We always show the six ways to give slide. When you give money to First Pres, not only is your finances helping run the operational things, keeping the lights on, the programs that we do, paying our staff, all of those things enable us to reach the community for Jesus, to build relationships, but also a portion of our money always goes right back out the door to support ministries like N68 and others. And so because of that, abundance isn't God's provision for me to live in luxury. It's his provision for me to help others live. So thank you for your support of First Pres and N68 and all these ministries. Thanks. It's my treat to introduce a treat that we're about to enjoy together. Hank, why don't you come on up here? Hank Floyd is going to sing for us this morning. Here's what you need to know about Hank. Yeah. Take a drink of water. Hank. Hank, we've been praying for Hank because he's battling cancer, but Hank is a University of Alabama football fan. That's the first thing you need to know about him. <laughs> Sec- second thing is Hank loves to fish, and he's caught lots of lots and lots of fish, large ones and small ones. And the third thing, I, <laughs> what, I forgot the third thing. When I look back at you, start grinning. <laughs> the, the, third thing, uh, the third thing is that Hank grew up singing with his dad in a band, country music, and Hank sings himself. He's got one of these great bass slash baritone voices. And here's the last thing I'm going to say is, if you recognize this song, you don't hesitate. You just bellow out because we're going to have the lyrics up for you to join with Hank. Thank you, Hank, my brother, for coming here and singing with us today. Thank you for having me.
Look what you did to that baby. <laughs> Thank you, Hank, for opening your heart to us. Appreciate you, brother. 
Well, online folks, folks in the room, I'm going to talk about something personal here. But I looked up in about August of 2010 and found myself, found myself out off Van Dyke Road sitting in a counselor's office. Yes, a counselor, like, you know what I'm saying, like a, a personal counselor, a head shrinker. I say that with affection for those who practice this faith. So there I was. This person was a Christian, and she was a counselor, and I'm sitting with her. And the reason I'm sitting with her is because I grew up in a family. It was sort of a garden variety divorce. There was no violence. There was no infidelity. There was no screaming and yelling. But it was divorce, which was brokenness, and alcohol. And But my dad was addicted to alcohol. And I, didn't, I was too young to even know that he was. But there I am, sitting there. And it was that was what the, August of 2010. It's October of 2022, 12 years ago. It took me 10 years to get through this thing that somehow I got led to do, which was to go to work on some stuff. But what, what, what I wanted to tell you is the way I handled it at first when I started discovering what was going on in my life, I, I didn't realize it, but I had signed up for the C4 approach to relationship management. Now, isn't that how you do your relationships? You manage them so think about relationships. When we're talking about relationships, we're talking about family and friends. I'm not talking about work and really not talking about children. We're talking about adults, people in your family, maybe close friends, maybe some, it could be somebody you work with, but not, we're not talking about your boss or somebody you supervise. And so the C4 approach to, to relationship management, as you can see, I'm being a little bit cynical. You'll know why I'm just saying, here come the fourth. And you may have already thought C4, the first thing may have come to your mind is plastic explosives. <laughs> Watch what happens next. Convince. Coerce, convict, control. I'll add a fifth one. Cool. <laughs> Let's say them together because you are going to enroll this morning in the C4 man uh, uh, program for uh, conflict, ma for relationship management. Ready? Here we go. Convince, coerce, convict, control. If you're online, type them. Let's do it again. You ready? Convince, coerce, convict, control. Cool. <laughs> well, we, it doesn't work, does it? Is that, how, is that how you want to be treated? Do you want to be coerced? Do you want to be shamed into changing how you relate? That's a shame is sort of a part of coercion. Do you want to be argued into something by somebody, convinced? How do you like trying to be controlled? How's that working for you? This doesn't work. We know it doesn't work. And so it's, the problem is it's almost always for most of us, we sort of intuitively run to one of those things as a way of handling something that's broken in a relationship back to me in, in the counseling. Okay, what happened with me is I was, didn't know it at the time, and you probably don't know it. You intuitively go to one of these things, like I did, like I do, and I was passive-aggressive in my hurt with respect to my mom and my dad. I will have more to say about that, but that's just, it doesn't work. It didn't help. And, and, and just one other thing you need to know about my dad, in August of 2010, he had been, he had been dead 24 years. I'm still battling it on the inside. 
made, made my way through 10 years of good hard work, and good things came from me being able to do the work. But believe me, it wasn't conviction. It wasn't coercion. It wasn't arguing. It wasn't trying to control. It was a whole other set of things. So it, it doesn't work. You, however, like me, probably go to one of those four things, and, and sometimes we do it intentionally, but most of the time we don't even know it's our kind of default setting. And so the, the title of what we're doing is not the C4 program for, con, for relationship management. Relationships weren't made by God to be managed. That's not it at all. We're going to call it this, Reassembly Required, a Beginner's Guide to repairing broken relationships. So beginner's guide. So we, there's so much about some of what's broken in some of our relationships that a four Sundays talking about it like this, that's, that's just going to help you maybe get started on it. We're going to kick a few things around, but you may be a person like me. You may, meet, you may need some years, but think about it. That stuff rotted inside me for years and years and years, but by the grace of God, and literally it's the grace of God, so I made progress and quit. I, get, I let go of the passive aggression. I promise you. I literally healed. You don't know it. It doesn't work. It's not good for you. And let me give you a couple of examples of ways that we drift into this. Okay? Of this coercion or this Con convincing or conflict or controlling. Let me give you a couple examples. The first example is this. We say this, and for many people when we say it, we think we're good, but many people hear it, and it doesn't work. Here, here's what we might say. I'm sorry I offended you. Well, that's what we say, but the real meaning underneath it is really you're too easily offended. Most people wouldn't have been bothered. But see, it's a, it's a control response, right? That's what that is. It's, a, it's an attempt to do that. Here's another one that's really more, uh, I guess you'd call this co coercion. I told you I was sorry. Why are you still upset? So that's what you say on the surface, and what you're really saying is, underneath the surface, what you're saying is, I've done my part, why won't you do yours? So, men, if you're a married man, I'm about to save your marriage right now. You ready? Sit down on this one. If you have said to her, I said I was sorry, why are you still upset? Dude, you ain't got a clue, but that ain't going to work. You know what I'm saying? You need to listen. You're, you can't coerce, you can't control, you can't argue, you can't convince her into thinking she's been heard and felt and understood. But without meaning to be knuckleheads, we go there. I said I'm sorry. <laughs> if you're online, I'm looking at Kathy. <laughs> so, hey, don't feel special, men, if you've said that to your wife, if you're a married man, or any other, if you've said that to somebody, your friend does, it's not just men that do it, but I'm a man, so I know that we do it. And if you're, if you're a man and you say you don't do it, uh, you're going to have to work to convince me. But I'm, I'm just saying that we, this is a default thing, and we don't know it, and it doesn't work. And so what really to resembling, re, learning to reassemble broken relationships, unlike the C4, 
it's, which seems to be intuitive and sort of default, it's a learned skill for us to learn how to rebuild relationships. And what's really important as we talk about this week is we got to make sure we're really clear about this, what the goal is. What is the goal? If I'm in a beginner's guide to learning how to reassemble a broken relationship to repair it, what's the goal? So I'm going to start out, it might seem a little confusing, but I'm going to start out describing what the goal isn't. You with me? This is not what the goal is, and you're going to think, well, you're, you're, something's wrong with what you're saying, but let me go ahead and say it. Here's what the goal is not. The goal is not reconciliation. The goal is not reconciliation. I know that sounds, the wish is reconciliation. The prayer is reconciliation. The hope is reconciliation. But the, co- the goal isn't reconciliation. Here's why. If you want to repair a broken relationship, you don't control all the pieces involved in the relationship. That's point one. You don't control it all. Let's, let's contrast it with repairing your broken iPhone. You, you drop your iPhone. It breaks. You go somewhere, and the person puts it back together. Everyone has control completely of everything involved. But you don't have control of another person. So one of the reasons the goal can't be reconciliation, it's the wish, it's the hope, it's the desire, it's the call of God, but we can't do that. And the other reason is you can't and you should never and I should never set an agenda for another adult. Again, we're not talking about your job and we're not talking about your children. We're talking about regular relationships. How can I walk up to her and say, here is how you're supposed to set your goals and this is the goal you should have. I can't do that for her. She has to want reconciliation. I can't want it for her, and I can't, I, can't have her ch- I can't choose for her to be reconciled, right? I can't do that. So reconciliation isn't the goal, and that sounds a little confusing. It's certainly the hope, and it's certainly the desired. It, it, it's, it's what we hope will happen and we pray will happen. Here's what is the goal. You ready? Two words. No regrets. I'm going to do everything I can do to remove any barrier, any obstacle to reconciliation. No regrets. The drawbridge comes down. The welcome mat rolls out. The door is open. Anything and everything I can do, no regrets. One of my best friends was going through a broken marriage and one of the things I learned from him, and I've passed it along to others, is he said, I did everything I could do. And he was in a relationship with a counselor to help him make sure he did everything he could do. And from where I stood, that relationship, to me, didn't, didn't appear to me to have any chance whatsoever. But he did everything he could do, and so he could look at himself and his children and say, I really gave it everything I had. And that's not blaming the other person either. He just did his part. And in this case, this relationship wasn't able to reconcile, and that, mar- that marriage ended up uh, coming apart. Here's, here's something else that goes on with us. If we default to the C4 program, and if, you're, if you have children, your children have been watching you. They've been seeing an estrangement in your life, and they're wondering, what's going on? Most of us never saw relationships repaired in a biblical way. And so we don't know how to do it. And then we get married and we have children and we grow up. And, 
and their children. I'm just telling you, I'm not going into any details because that's not appropriate, but this is certainly true for me. They saw it. My children did. They saw what I was wrestling with. Your children don't see it. Here's what they're doing. From their perspective, they're going, really? You haven't talked to her in 10 years? And this is what they say next. That's, that's silly. Call her. But we won't do it. We're scared to death. We're afraid. And for men in particular, these emotions inside us, it's why many fathers just shut down because the emotions scare us. Men, we don't like to admit it, but we are terrified of this emotion that's inside us. It's a generalization, but man, I found it to be true. Why? I, I didn't know. I was scared of what I felt inside. I was hurt, and I was angry, and I was scared. And I didn't know. I mean, I was seven, and all of a sudden, my world blew up. And again, just remind you, by the grace of God, bam, bam, bam. But for me, it, with beginner's guide, it was 10 years. 10 years of what she said, Virginia said to me, is on top of everything else, Fitz, you're brave. She said to me this, most people get up against it and run. And I'm not, I, I will take credit for being brave because I kept choosing to keep going forward. Because I didn't know how to say any of what I'm saying right now, not with respect to my own personal life. All I know is that I kept going and all of this stuff that was not working and just made me madder. And I know you do it. You rehearse the speech, don't you? Okay, we avoid and we rehearse and we stay away. It, Thanksgiving is coming up. <laughs> Christmas is right behind it. Are you going to be doing a Thanksgiving Christmas dash around somebody who you just don't want to be around with whom you're estranged? Don't feel alone. It's so hard for us. Or we go to a graduation or a wedding where we're in a social and we just avoid eye contact. There's somebody and we just we have to be around each other, but we don't want to be. And so we give it that kind of a dance to try to stay away. There's nothing special about any of us. We all have it. The goal, friends, if you're a Jesus follower, this is the, that you're wondering, you don't, you, you, could, you don't have to come to church to hear anything I've said so far. Now that's about to change. If you are a Jesus follower, it's not an option to not become a person who tries to reconcile a relationship. Again, you can only do what you can do. If you're, if you're 90% of the people in the West believe that there's a God. I'm not talking to you. That's not what I'm saying. If you believe there's a God, but you don't wake up every morning and say, I'm following you, Jesus, best I can. If you're a Jesus follower, that's what I mean. What we're talking about in here this morning is not optional. We are told that this is what we must do. Get out there, no regrets, make it happen. That's what Jesus is saying. We have a text coming in a few minutes, not yet, that's going to help us do that. It's from the Apostle Paul, and he's going to say, you've you got to go out there and get after it. It will help you if you're not a Jesus follower to learn how to repair broken relationships. But if you're a Jesus follower, not only will it help you, it is imperative. We have to go. And there is an exception I need to talk about. If you've been physically or emotionally abused, if the person who's hurt you is not a safe person, then this 
we're not saying you got to reconcile there. We're not saying do everything you can, no regrets. No, that's not what we're saying. In fact, I want to say it even more. You may be in this room right now, a person who's been hurt. You may be online. You may have been hurt. You've never told anyone. And that's so often the case with this deep hurt that happens. And if it's, that's the case and you've never told anyone, I beg you, tell somebody. Tell somebody safe. Tell me I'm safe. You know somebody who's safe. Tell them. M many times people who've been hurt by unsafe people they turn it around somehow inside and feel shame and guilt and responsibility. Oh, and my heart breaks for you if that's, or if there's somebody you know who's been there. You will heal. I promise you. You will heal. But don't hold it in another day. Tell a safe person. And that person will be confidential. That person won't say another word to any. Make sure that's a part of what they are. I am. You tell me something, I will not remember it in front of anybody else. So that was, that's sort of a caveat to all of this about repairing broken relationships. I can feel your hearts here with me on this one. And you know what I'm saying is really important. God didn't stop only at forgiveness. So what we're going to do is say, I told you that reconciliation can't be the goal because we don't have all the pieces and because we can't set agendas for other adult people. I said that. And so let's go to forgiveness for a minute because forgiveness is different from reconciliation. Forgiveness is something any one of us can do. I forgive you. But here's what forgiveness doesn't do. It doesn't reconcile because you can stand at a distance with your arms folded, and I'm folding them. I forgive you. Reconciliation requires proximity. Jesus didn't just forgive us. Jesus removed all the obstacles, all the barriers that get in the way of reconciliation, all of them. And here's the part where the imperative comes in. Are you ready? This is Paul writing to the church in Philippi, a little city in Macedonia. And Paul, Paul says to them, in your relationships with one another, right? In your relationships with one another, he's writing to the family of Jesus' followers. Have the same mindset as Jesus. If you keep reading, he tells you that Jesus went to the death, of death on a cross, the humiliating death of a criminal. We're the ones that create the problem, and Jesus forgives us, but that's only half the story. He reconciles us. There's a sense in which you could take the word theologically, reconciliation, and you could say the entire Christian movement is about reconciliation. Relationships with God, with self, and with each other made possible to be right again. Beautiful, fantastic Greek verb. I can't get to do a Greek verb in here this morning. Katalasso. It's the verb Recon to reconcile. Katalage is the noun. God reconciled all of us to himself by doing this to all the offense that you and I created. If God had just said, I forgive you, but there had been no cross, we wouldn't have been able to be reconciled to him. We'd still be apart from him. But that cross, which is empty, means that you and I have been given 
a way back to a right relationship with God and with each other and with self. The obstacles had been obliterated. Down came the drawbridge. Away went the weapons. Out rolls the welcome mat and open the door. And God says, I forgive you and I want you back. Remember the stories that Jesus told, the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son? The heart of God runs to look for the lost sheep. Many of us would be like the 99. Well, I ain't running after it. Get, it, get your life together and come on back. Hey, we're right here. You know where we are. That's not what Jesus did. He went after us, forgives us, and then knocks the barriers out of the way for us to have a relationship with him. And then he says, Paul says for us, do the same thing in your relationships with each other. It's imperative. So it's a beginner's guide. That's the thing that we're doing here. We're just getting, and some of us like me, may, you may need an extended master's degree program. <laughs> forgiveness, another way of saying it, it's like a means to an end. And the end, however, isn't just forgiveness. It's so that the barrier is out of the way so we can reconcile. Now, here's, here's what, if you're like me, here's what you're thinking. When I say to you, you got to go do something about it, you're going, no, 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 I did. No, you didn't. Not enough. And you may be saying, well, they were 90% in the wrong, and I'm only 10% in the wrong. And you've made the speeches in your head because you've, you've talked to them in your, in your thinking. They're taking up resonance in your head, this person. I'm talking real time right now for me. I ain't telling you who it is or who they are, but this is what happens with me. It's happening with me right now. And I have the speech in my head, and it, yeah, I may have done a little something wrong, but look how whatever that person was. And you're sure that you're right, but guess what that person's doing? They're going, well, you know, I may have done a little something wrong, but she was way out of control, how, how wrong, how immature, how whatever. You know, so all of us think we're right. Just go. That's what Paul is saying to us. We just go. We take the first step. And it's not about being right or wrong. It's about reconciliation. Again, the goal is we can only do what we can do. But we're being challenged to do anything and everything we can do to remove all barriers. And that's why it's so powerful that we think about Jesus telling the stories about a lost sheep and a lost coin and a lost son. And the father, the son was so offensive. It's as if he said, I wish you were dead because he takes his inheritance and runs and just wastes it on immoral living. Wastes it. But he sort of comes to his senses. And the father and the, could have been sitting back saying, Get it together, boy. I'll sort of let you back. There's a bunk out there in the barn for you. He runs to the son. He races to him and get, throws a big party because his heart is wide open with joy that they're reconciled. The forgiveness was already there. That's what we've been called to do. We chase down broken relationships by doing everything we can do to eliminate any possibility of regret. Spoiler alert. You ready? We're going to do this three more weeks. We're going, to, we're going to be asked to make four decisions. I'm not going through all of them now. Don't worry. But I'm going to spoil alert on the first one, teasing you into coming back. Here's decision number one. See, the decision isn't to not coerce, not convict, convince, not argue. Those are not decisions. It's okay to make, quit doing those things, but that ain't going to get it done. 
we have to make decisions that are proactive and positive. Here's the first one. We'll go into it in some depth next week. You ready? We're going to be challenged to make the following decision. I will get back to, not back at. I'm going to get back to, not back at. You may feel yourself shaking already inside. I am, because I have one on my plate. Three questions for you for lunch today, for dinner, for your life group. You ready? You, you might even get your phone out and take a snapshot. We will make sure that this is available for you, but right now, here comes the questions. Which of these relational tools do you reach for when conflict arises? Those are the C4 explosives. You with me? Convince, coerce, convict, control. Have a conversation sometime soon about that one. That's question number one. Question number two. Do you have friends or family members who are estranged from members of their families? From where you sit, what keeps the feud going? And the third question. If you are estranged from a friend or a family member, what's stopping you? from taking steps to repeat it. Now, let me sit on that question just a little bit longer. Something came into your mind, if you ask it, set that aside and dig a little deeper and ask, what is it really? So for me, what it is really is fear and pride right now with what I'm wrestling with. The first thing that came to my mind was, well, it won't do any good anyway. What keeps me from taking, taking a step? Well, it won't do any good anyway. <laughs> How would I know? <coughs> I'm going to pray. Gracious God, oh, we can all feel it. Oh, there's nobody, gracious God, that I know. I don't think there's anybody in this room that doesn't have some sense of some relationship that needs repair. And we've had all these things that we've done, and none of them work. In fact, most of what we do when we try makes it worse. When I try to control somebody, how does that feel to be controlled? When I've tried to guilt somebody, how does that work? They just run. Gracious God, we want to experience a repaired, healed relationship with you. We may want some of us to sense that our stuff that we don't understand on the inside of ourselves is coming together and making sense in a healed kind of a way. We pray particularly for folks who've been hurt, they've been abused, that they would find a safe place to talk about it. Gracious God, we want to be your sons and daughters. We want to be people who, because we live the way Jesus did, we love people the way he did. We want to have the same mindset as Jesus. We're out there in our life making relationships that are more open. We're putting out the drawbridge. We're rolling out the welcome mat. We're opening the door. We're going to do anything and everything we can so that we have no regrets about something that's happened in the past. It could have been this week. It could have been 24 years ago. And it's everything in between for many of us. Help us, gracious God, to be people that trust you enough, who sense your love enough, the father running for the son who had wandered off, the shepherd who takes off for the sheep that's lost. That's your heart of love for us. And when we respond, we become people who lay down all of our resistance. We become people who quit trying to control things. We become people who just want to love really well. And we're, we're going to forgive and we're going to hope and pray and wish also for reconciliation. 
Make us relationship specialists. That's what we want today, Jesus. Amen. Let's stand one more time, y'all.